Let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to turn to Isaiah chapter number 8 to begin with. I know I told you we're going to be in chapter 9 this morning. We are. We're actually going to be in chapters 8 and 9. So I'm only preaching two chapters today. You should be thankful for that. Um, but uh, just really for the sake of, of context. And so uh, if you're in Isaiah chapter number 8, uh, would you stand with me as we read the scriptures this morning? We're going to begin reading in verse number 19. Isaiah chapter 8, beginning in verse number 19. The Bible says here, And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God, for the living to the dead? To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And they shall pass through it, and har- they shall pass through it, hardly be stead and hungry, and it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves, and curse their king and their God, and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth, and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Chapter nine, verse one. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as it was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Look down to verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That verse number six there is really kind of the basis for this kind of mini-series starting last week and going through next week about the name of Christ, the name of Messiah. And this verse is so often used, uh, especially around this time of year as we consider the Christmas season and the incarnation of Christ But I want you to notice as it gives his names, last week we looked at the fact that his name shall be called Wonderful, but notice that the second name that is given for the Messiah is Counselor. And I want to preach to you this morning on the subject of he is a wonderful Counselor. Jesus is a wonderful Counselor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you for your word today. Thank you for your truth that light that you have given to us. And I pray, Lord, that today would be uh, just another reminder of the promise of truth and light that comes from you. Lord, as we examine Christ's counsel in our lives, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, guide us into truth, guide us into the truth of your word today. I pray that you would enable me and help me as your messenger today to rightly divide your word and and to be able to feed your people 
as we consider the importance of the counsel of the Lord. Lord, may we honor and glorify the name of our Savior today. And would you be pleased with everything that you see here in your house? For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. The name of the Messiah will be Counselor. Now, you might have taken some time and looked at that. Maybe not. I know that for many years I'd read through here and just kind of pass on. Or I, I would, uh, uh, for instance, see this posted on a, uh, a sign somewhere or, or in a Christmas card. You know, you read, okay, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. But have you ever stopped to consider the statement that the name of Christ, this promised Messiah, is Counselor? When you look at that word counselor, it means exactly what you would expect it to mean. It is one who gives counsel, one who gives wisdom. You know, throughout the Bible, in fact, we find the phrase, the counsel of the Lord, 14 different times in Scripture. And we find the concept of the counsel of the Lord and the wisdom of God and the light of the Lord just throughout the pages of Scripture. What a tremendous promise from the Lord that when Messiah would come, that he would come not only as a political deliverer, not only as a spiritual savior, but as a counselor, as one who gives truth and leads in wisdom. I'm thankful for this promise. I'm thankful for the New Testament promise that we have as children of God in James chapter 1 and verse number 5, that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. I'm thankful that our God is a God of counsel. Amen. And Jesus, by the way, was a counselor in his uh, life and ministry here on this earth. We see that really from the very beginning. Uh, right, right in Luke chapter 2, where we read of Jesus in the temple at 12 years old, and he's sitting there with the doctors of the law, hearing and asking them questions, and it says that they marveled at him. They marveled at his, at, at, at his wisdom, the wisdom that he had. Early on in his ministry, as he sat on the mountain there and gave what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of that, it says that the people uh, marveled at his doctrine because he spake as one having authority. And not as the scribes. I mean, the words of Jesus as he walked the earth were words of counsel and wisdom unlike anything the world had ever known. He is, after all, the living word of God. And we hold in our hands today the written word of God. And for anyone who has ever uh, read and studied the Bible, you, you have come to learn and know that God's wisdom is found on the pages of this book. Uh, I mean, there is counsel for you and for your life. There's wisdom for your life. There's truth that you need that is found in the pages of this book. Uh, I've been studying the Bible for many years. I, I uh, uh, was saved at a, uh, at a young age and, and, and growing up in church. I, of course, heard teaching and preaching from the Bible throughout my childhood, throughout my teen years. And then, uh, praise the Lord, as, a, as a, an older teenager, a young man, 
I, I finally got some things right with God and began walking with Him and studying the Bible for myself and uh, for almost the last 20 years now have made it a daily practice to be in the Word of God and studying the Bible and, and I, I read through the Bible, I'm not saying this to gloat or to boast, but I, I read through the Bible on average two to three times a year and, and I want to tell you this, that every time I open this book I find that this is the unsearchable riches of Christ. There is wisdom and counsel that I have not yet encountered before as I, as I open it and I see afresh and anew, I'm thankful that our God is a God of counsel. I'm thankful that when I have a need, when I have a question, I'm able to, the, to go to the Word of God and, and I'm able to go to Him in prayer and by the truth of the Scripture and by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, He guides me into all truth as He's promised to do. Our God is a God of counsel. But what's so fascinating to me about this and the promise of this Messiah being a counselor is really the fact that within the context of everything that we have been reading, there, the, uh, this is pointing to a time when Israel is in need of counsel. We, we opened our reading today by reading verse number 19 where it says, And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and mutter. The, the, the concept here is when, <clears throat> when the people go looking for truth and they look in the wrong places. Do you know that people are looking for truth all the time? People are looking for truth and they're looking for answers, but sadly, most of them are looking in the wrong places. The example that's used here is those that seek unto familiar spirits and wizards. And by the way, this still happens today. Do you know that there are actually people out there, and probably not many that are here today, not many that are represented here, uh, but, but there are many people out there today that, that do. They'll, they'll go and see a psychic, or they'll uh, look up their horoscope for the day and, 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 and try to find and discern uh, their, their truth and, and direction for their life off of these uh, really forms of witchcraft and sorcery. There are people that look to the stars and, 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 and people that look to astrology and all these different things in hopes that uh, they'll be able to make better decisions in life. And, and most of us would probably say, well, we don't do those things. And yet, I would say this, how often do we turn to our own wisdom and our own understanding... And rather than trusting in the Lord with all our heart, we lean on our own understanding. And when we find ourselves in need of counsel, in need of direction, the first thing we do is we try to draw from the deep well of wisdom that is our own mind. And how often do we find that lacking? And so when all else fails and once I don't have the solution and the answer to my problem anymore, what do we do? Well... The modern solution to that problem is go to Google. And that sounds silly, but, but is it not true? I've got this problem, I've got this issue, uh, I'm not sure uh, what to think about it, but, you know, what does the internet say? What, what is, uh, uh, you know, what, what, do people, what are people out there saying? And by the way, uh, we might joke about that a little bit, but I will tell you, it is no joke in fact, it's a very scary and tragic thing to me to watch Christian people who are looking for answers to oftentimes spiritual questions and their source of information is things that they have found on the internet. 
I will tell you this, there is a lot of valuable uh, uh, information that's out there on the internet, and I'm thankful for that, but you need to be careful about how many YouTube preachers you follow and who you're listening to. I'm just saying you've got to be careful and make sure that the counsel that you're depending on and relying on is not coming from man's wisdom, but is coming from the Word of God. Because it says here at the end of verse number 19, it asks this question, Should not a people seek unto their God? If you have questions today, if you have need for counsel, if you have decisions that you need to make, if you're in need of wisdom today, there's one place that you ought to turn. And it is to the Lord. You need to look to Him and find your answers in His Word. Look at verse number 20. To the law and to the testimony. And then it says this, If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. If the wisdom that you are listening to, if the counsel that you are listening to, whether it is your own, whether it's the counsel of friends, whether it's the counsel of the self-help gurus out there and the, uh, the books, or as I said, someone that's uh, uh, you know, preaching on the internet about something, if it doesn't come from the Word of God, if it is not rooted and grounded in the truth of Scripture, understand this, there is no light there. Amen. True light comes from God. Why? Because God is light, 1 John says. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If you want truth and you want light, it comes from God. Seek unto the Lord. And then it even says here in verse number 21, And they shall pass through it, hardly be stead and hungry. In other words, when they depart from the Word of God, and they depart from the counsel of the Lord, the outcome is that their lives are not going to be blessed. And they're going to struggle. And when they struggle, what are they going to do? It says that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves. Well, I think we're seeing some of that today, are we not? People living in fear. What are we going to do? And they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God. Isn't it amazing how people blame God for their problems when they weren't listening to God in the first place? I mean, I've counseled so many people that want to sit and complain about the consequences of their sin as though God has done something unfair or unkind to them. But know this, the consequences for our sin are not a result of us obeying God. It's actually just the opposite. Had we listened to the counsel of the Lord to begin with, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. So how can we blame God? For our circumstances. But that's what they'll do. And here's what's interesting. It says, and it, they'll look upward. So not only are they going to curse God, but they're going to look to God and say, well, are you going to help me? After they've just cursed him. And then when that doesn't work, verse number 22, and they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness and dimness of anguish. They shall be driven to darkness. What, what is this? Well, this is a result of people who have departed from the counsel of the Lord. And when people depart from the counsel of the Lord, mark it down, they're going to be in confusion. They're not going to have the answers that they need. 
We see this again throughout the scriptures, Amos chapter 8. In fact, let's hold our place here and go over to the book of Amos, if you would, near the end uh, of the Old Testament. <clears throat> Amos chapter number 8, and verse number 11, God makes a decree here about people who have disobeyed the Lord and, and are not heeding Him. And he says in Amos chapter 8 and verse number 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. So he said there's going to be a famine, and this famine is not going to be like any famine you've ever known, because it's not going to have anything to do with bread and water. It's not that you're going to be physically hungry and physically starving. But he said this famine is going to be a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. You are going to starve spiritually. You're going to be in darkness because the light of the Lord is not shining upon you. Verse number 12 says, And they shall wander from sea to sea. And from the north, even to the east, they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. Now, this, understand that this was not a statement saying there are going to be no Bibles available. This was at a time when the Bible had not even been completed. Obviously, we're still in Old Testament times. The issue was, at that time, how did God primarily speak to his people? Well, it was through prophets. And there were times in the history of the nation of Israel that prophets were abundant. There were many of them. The problem is those prophets were there, but oftentimes the people did not heed what the prophets were telling them, according to the word of the Lord. And so God said, because of their rebellion against me, I'm going to send a famine where there is going to be no more speaking coming from me. And this was fulfilled not very long after in a period that we, would, that we know as the intertestamental period, in between the conclusion of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, there was a period of about 400 years where there's no record of any prophets being among the people. God was not speaking. There were, they, they had the scriptures of the Old Testament, but there was no new revelation, and because the revelation had not been completed, I mean, think about how lost you would be today if you didn't have the New Testament. I mean, here they were, they were lost, struggling. No wonder John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, there in the temple, when the angel came to him and spoke to him, was in disbelief. Nobody had heard from God in 400 years. Think about that. But why did that happen? Well, it happened because the people ignored the counsel that the Lord had given them. I think another great example of that would be King Saul, who had at his right hand, for most of his, his uh, rule as king, he had the prophet Samuel in his ear, a voice from God. One to go to God and inquire on his behalf and to give him counsel and leadership. The problem is Saul took that for granted and didn't 
heed the counsel that God gave through Samuel the prophet. And so what happened? Well, Samuel died. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 28 and verse number 6, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. And so here you have this situation where a man who had once had the counsel of the Lord so available to him and at his fingertips now, when he's desperately needing it at the end of his rule as king, God's not speaking. Because before, when he was speaking, Saul wasn't listening. You see, when people depart from the counsel of the Lord, it results in darkness, dimness, and confusion. And that's exactly what the Lord's talking about here in Isaiah chapter number 8, is that because rather than seeking to the Lord, they've sought after wizards and sorcerers and, and all these other uh, philosophies, there's going to be a dimness that comes, a darkness that comes upon them. Did you know that this is possible even for believers in Christ? Oh, it's not as though God will leave us or abandon us. We understand that he's promised that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And I'm thankful that we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that we have the completed word of God in our hands. But did you know that it is possible for you, if you will abandon the Lord's counsel in your life, to actually begin to walk in confusion rather than in clarity and truth? That's possible. Go over to the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter number 1. In the Sunday school hour, we were uh, discussing David and his sin in numbering the people. And in our discussion group in particular, we were kind of highlighting that concept of David's heart smiting him because of uh, the sin that he had committed. And one of the things that we talked about is the importance of keeping ourselves in fellowship with God so that our hearts are always tender toward Him. Because it's possible even to be saved and to become hard-hearted. It's possible to be saved and to become cold and desensitized to the Lord and to His Word. And in 2 Peter chapter 1... The Bible gives us a list of things that we are to be adding to our faith and really growing in grace. And notice it says in verse number 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But listen to this, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. This is a reference, by the way, to someone who's been saved. Look, he's forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. It doesn't say he was never purged from his sins. It just says he's forgotten about it. He's living as someone who is lost, even though he's saved. And he's blind. He's spiritually blinded. And he cannot see afar off. There's no clarity. Now, folks, I will tell you this. There have been times in my life... Uh, as a Christian, where it seemed as though the Lord was 
was directly speaking and, and working in my life. And I had a sense of clarity about God's direction and purpose. And then there have been times in my life where just the opposite was true. And I felt like I was living in a fog. And I just, it was like God gave enough grace to just kind of take the next step. I had enough uh, clarity to, uh, to live out today, but I had no understanding of what God was doing in my life. And, and I just felt blinded. Now, folks, there may be different reasons for that. I can point to some things I believe the Lord was trying to work at in my life during those seasons. But I just want to say this. I don't ever want to get to a place where because of a, a, a stiff-necked, hard-hearted attitude toward the counsel of the Lord, because of rejection of the truth that God has given me, that I just become blinded to spiritual truth. I, I don't ever want to find myself in darkness spiritually because I've quit listening to God. And if you find yourself there today, can I just plead with you, friend? You need to repent of that. You, you need to cry out to God and say, Lord, I don't know what's brought me to this place. Or maybe you do know what has brought you to that place. But you say, I, I want to be done with this, Lord. I need to walk in fellowship with you. I need your truth and your light. And I need your counsel because you are a counselor. And I need the counsel of the Lord. Friend, you need to hear from God. You need it. If you don't have that, you ought to be seeking him. Don't rely on your own wisdom and don't go following after other people and trusting that they're going to lead you into truth. Who should you be seeking after? It should be after your God. Seek the Lord. He's a counselor. But as we go back to our passage in Isaiah, here's the thing. God had allowed them to enter into a period of dimness and darkness because of their uh, rebellion because they, they were not listening to the counsel of the Lord. But notice what it says in verse number two. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shine. Because verse number six, this Messiah is going to come. When he comes, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The, 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 the fulfillment of this prophecy was that this wonderful Messiah who is God in the flesh would come and that he would be a deliverer spiritually, that he would bring salvation. Oh, by the way, he will be a deliverer even politically as God restores the nation of Israel to his people. And, and, and from the throne of David... In Jerusalem, the Lord Jesus Christ will rule and reign over all the earth. Amen. Praise the Lord. We await that day. But as part of the coming of Messiah, the promise was that he would come and that he would give counsel to those that sat in darkness. He would give light and he would bring truth. John chapter 1 tells us that he is that true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He is, he is the God of light that came, and the light has come. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. We see that the Lord is 
not only pronouncing judgment here in Isaiah, but he's promising that that judgment, that that darkness will not last forever. By the way, this is one of the great truths that we look forward to in our eternal home, is that there will be no more darkness. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 13, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And I know there's a lot of debate about what all the nuances are of that and the completion of the scriptures, but I can tell you this, that once you are in the presence of God, you're going to know more than you know now. You're going to have a whole lot of truth that you don't have yet today that's going to be clear in your mind. There will be no more darkness because the, the Lamb of God is the light of that place. Isaiah chapter 30, in fact, we're in Isaiah, let's go over to chapter 30, and I want to show you this promise of the uh, millennial reign that the Lord gives to his people and the blessing that that's going to be. And in Isaiah chapter 30 and verse number 18, it says here, and therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner any more. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Think about that promise. If you're a people that is sitting in darkness with no truth, people that are living under this famine of hearing the word of God to know that there is coming a day when the presence of God will be so real in your life that you will audibly hear a voice behind you telling you this is the way. Walk ye in it. This is what you ought to do and this is what you ought not to do. Isn't it wonderful, won't it be wonderful to know that in the presence of God there will be no more confusion. All of a sudden we'll see clearly. Boy, I'm I'm excited about that. Now, I understand that the, the, the path of the just is a, is a shining light that shineth more and more until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. I understand that the more that we grow in grace and the more that we walk with the Lord, the more clarity and truth should be uh, evident in our lives. But, friend, there's still a whole lot that I just don't have the answers to. There's a lot that I just don't know. There are questions even about this book that I'm just not sure exactly what to say about it. I just don't know. But there's going to come a day that I know. And that's encouraging to me. That ought to be an encouragement to you. There's going to come a day when you know. I'm thankful that God doesn't leave us in the dark. I'm thankful that God gives us truth and there's coming a day when this is ultimately fulfilled and and there will be no more confusion and no more question because when God's blessing is completely upon his people, they will not be in darkness, but they will see 
clearly. And while that is a reality that we await here on this earth, Christian friend, I want you to know that you do not have to be without the counsel of the Lord in your life. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you ought to know that not only is his name wonderful, but that he is a wonderful counselor. That, that he is one who gives wisdom and truth and help and guidance in your life. You see, Jesus, as I said earlier, when he came and walked on the face of this earth, was this manifestation of the wisdom of God on earth. And, 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 and everywhere that he went, people marveled at the wisdom that he gave. But he did not leave us without that truth. Go with me, if you would, to John chapter number 14. John chapter 14 and I want to show you that today, if you know Christ as your Savior, you can walk in the wisdom and counsel of the Lord. John chapter number 14. Verse number 16. Jesus has just been telling his disciples that he's going, he's leaving, he's going to the Father's house. And notice what he says in verse number 16. He says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, I, much has been said about this word, another, because the word another here literally means one that is identical. It's almost like if, if you were to uh, give your... your uh, child a toy and the first day that you uh, they took it out of the package it broke because it was made in another country somewhere across the sea that I won't name <laughs> and it broke and they start to cry because they don't have this thing that they desire so much and so you say to them don't worry we're going to take it back to the store and they're going to give us another one what do you mean by that? Well, it's not a different one. I, I, I'm not, I don't want one that's smaller or bigger or of a different color. or, or, or that. I don't want something that's similar. I want one that is exactly like this one. That, that word another, when Jesus says, I'm going to give you another comforter. Jesus said, I bodily will not be with you anymore, but I will give you another just like myself. And then he said in verse number 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Who is this spirit of truth? Well, it's the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, when I leave, I'm leaving you bodily. You won't see me anymore. You won't hear me with your ears anymore, but I promise that I will send one, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, and He's going to be with you. He does dwell with you, but He says He shall be in you. Friend, if you're saved today, you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you. And then Jesus says this. Verse number 18, He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now, I don't understand all of the nuances of this, and any time I try to uh, speak about the Trinity and how, 
how, how the three persons of the Godhead fit together and are one yet are distinct and, and all of that, I, I, I feel like I'm wading in water that's way over my head. Jesus isn't the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit isn't God, but understand this, that the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit is God, but he isn't Jesus. But understand this, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God is the Spirit of Christ. And how those things fit together, I don't necessarily understand. Jesus said, I give you another comforter. I, I, I'm leaving you, and I'm giving you another comforter. But then he said, I will come to you. Listen, friend, this is, this is so wonderful. How often do you think, and I've thought this in my life, wouldn't it have been great to walk with Jesus? To be in his presence, to observe his miracles, to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching. I've thought that so many times, and yet the reality is, if you know Christ today, if you're saved, you have the spirit of Christ. He's in you. The spirit of truth. This another comforter, one just like himself, is dwelling in you. And he is doing what? He's guiding you into all truth. Go over a chapter or two to uh, chapter number 16 of John. John chapter 16 and look uh, here at verse number 13. It says here, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. What's he saying? He said, I'm going to send you this comfort of the spirit of truth, and here's what he's going to do. He's going to guide you into all truth. Folks, when we talk about the need to be filled with the Spirit and the need to walk in the Spirit, this is why. We need the counsel of the Lord in our lives. We need His guidance. We need His leadership. And we have it available to us. And not only do we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, but we have the Word of God. The Word of God, which the Bible says is able to build us up and to give us inheritance among them which are sanctified, according to Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. The Word of God, which according to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The word of God, which according to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3, it is, is, uh, gives to us all things which pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. God has given to us His word and He's given to us His spirit whereby we may walk in the wonderful counsel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning as we consider... Christ as our wonderful counselor. Let me ask this question to you. Are you walking in the light, in the truth, in the counsel of the Lord? Or are you like the nation of Israel in Isaiah chapter 8, that rather than looking to the Lord, you're looking to wiz uh, wizards and sorcerers? 
You say, well, I don't go after all that kind of stuff. I don't believe in that superstitious stuff. But are you walking in your own wisdom? Are you seeking after the wisdom of man? Are you putting your confidence and your trust in flesh? Are you living daily seeking the Lord, praying, asking for His leadership and guidance, studying His Word, and by the way, not only listening to what the Bible has to say, but actually applying it in your life? Be careful, friend, that you don't come to church as a hearer of the Word. And leave without being a doer of the word. Because the Bible says if that's who you are, that you're deceiving yourself. You know what deceit is? Deception is darkness. It's dimness. It's confusion. If you want to walk in the counsel of the Lord and the light of the Lord, if you want to experience the counsel that comes only from the Lord himself, you have to apply the truth that he gives to you. Be obedient to it. Are you walking in his counsel or are you walking in darkness?